Well, good morning. We are going to be looking at the next steps for this little C called PCBC. Glad that you are here today. We've already had a great start to this day. In the first service, our oldest member of the church was here. She just celebrated, get this, her 104th birthday, right? Crazy. We all got to yell out, happy birthday, Marie. So we started off there. We're going to finish tonight with something that's been done ever since Acts chapter 6. Uh, what was started in the body of Christ after Pentecost, a need within the body to minister to the internal needs of the body of Christ, the little C, was established as the deacon ministry. We're going to be doing a deacon ordination tonight at 5 p.m. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, i got to be there to watch the Dallas Cowboys tonight. No, you don't. No, you don't. Be here, record the game, and you can watch them later on, okay? So that's the way we are going. Be back tonight at five, two new deacons that we will be ordaining. The last 13 years, we have been digging in each year, beginning the year, with a State of the Church address. It's a time for us to reflect, to look and see what has God been doing and what is he challenging us to do in the days ahead. Now, our challenge is this. Our challenge is to listen to God and to look to see where he's at work. Our challenge is not, okay, what's something new we can do for God this year? Our challenge for you and for me individually and then corporately is not drumming up business for God. God is the one who's building his kingdom. But God has chosen to build his kingdom through his church. You and I get to be a part of that. And so we reflect and we listen and we hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice and they will follow me. We've been seeking to do that for these last 13 years together, and we continue to do that. God, where are you at work? What are you calling us to do in this part of our city and in all the earth? Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, a verse that we need to be reminded of and grounded in this truth. In Philippians 2 verse 13, Paul is instructing the little sea at Philippi. He is reminding them of how God is at work in them and how they connect with God and let God work through them. Look at what he says in verse 13. He says, for it is God who is at work in you. God just didn't do a work for us, Calvary, the cross. A lot of people, the only Jesus they know is the God who did a work for them, who died for their sins. But God died for our sins not to just take us to heaven one day. He died for us that we might be restored and reconnected back to him and walk with him all the days of our life. And so we find Paul reminding them, it's God who is at work in you. Question, do you experience God's activity in your life on a daily basis? Can you, can you reflect in recent days and say, man, I believe God is doing this in my life because he is at work in you. The question is, are you connecting to that? Are you, are you understanding, are you even looking for it? It's God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Not so you could be saved, not so you could earn love points with God. Have you ever been there? Man, I need to get more connected so God will love me again. Wrong. God already loves you. God already demonstrated that love. That loving God already lives in you, and he desires to let his love be alive in you and me and his little C. So what does that look like? How do we get there? Well, as we look back over where we've been, we realize we don't work for God to get God's love. We experience God's love, and God is alive in us, and as a result of experiencing his love, his love then works through us. So last year, 
Our reflection was, Lord, help us to be the Acts 1-8 church you called us to be. I'll put the verse up on the screen again, or you can turn to it, Acts 1-8. It's one of our foundational DNA verses as a little c. We believe that God has already shown us who we are supposed to be as a little c. For he says, I will give you my Holy Spirit, and you will receive power. Not just to be victorious over sin, not just to have some new supernatural power, but for a purpose. Yes, to be victorious over sin. Yes, to no longer live in slavery or bondage to that sin. Yes, to be more than conquerors, but also to be his kingdom people. For he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my churchgoers. Is that what God designed you to be? Wrong. He didn't design you to be a person who gets saved and you endure this earth one day a week in church until you get to heaven. No, God saved you for a purpose to live in you, to live through you, to give you, yes, eternal life, but also to give you abundant life. And the abundant life is found in a kingdom life. Seeking first his kingdom, being his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest part of the earth. Now, why didn't he just say, be my witnesses? He got pretty geographic with it. Not graphic, but geographic. And he got graphic through the geographic. He wanted them to understand, I'm not just calling you to be a good person where you live. It starts there. You're Jerusalem. But I am calling you, and I'm calling you to come together with other big C's, the church, the body of Christ, to not just live for you and live for one day in heaven, but to live every day corporately together, making a difference in all the earth. Not just Jerusalem, your city, but Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so we seek to be obedient to that promise and that design that God laid out in that verse. For us, Jerusalem, Oklahoma City is huge. It's the third largest geographic space in the United States. We're not the only church in Oklahoma City. And so we've contextualized Jerusalem to be our part of our city. The shadow of our steeple, that's what we call our Jerusalem. And then Judea for us would be more of a region, which Judea was there in Israel. It was a region. Uh, for us, that would be our city. That's a big piece of real estate. And so we seek to find ways to make a difference in our neighborhood, in our city, and then our Samaria. Uh, in this case, Samaria was a very unique region of Israel. For us, our Samaria is our state and our nation. For them, Samaria literally was a place nobody wanted to minister in. Matter of fact, Samaria was a designated out-of-bounds space. Samaria was where the Samaritans live, and the Samaritans were the unclean. These were the Jews who were left behind after they had lost their country. As they were in captivity, many were taken out, but then there were some who were left behind. And as they were left behind... They then started marrying in with the nation that overtook them, and they became a polluted seed of Abraham. They were the unclean, the ones who compromised the promise of Abraham. And so Samaria was a group of people that in Israel's eyes were out of bounds, insignificant, unimportant. Now, in our state and in our nation, we're not just looking for that. But I'll tell you this, where we try to invest in our state and our nation is we try to find those who are hurting the most. We try to find, we can't fix every need and we can't solve all the issues of our very own city, much less our state or our nation. 
but we're still called to be a part. Wherever God leads as our shepherd, he will lead us to engage with who we are and who he is with what's going on in our state and in our nation. We'll talk about how we do that in a moment. And then he says, and also, not only your city where you live, not only your region where you live, but also all the way to the ends of the earth, everywhere else. We should be a church that just doesn't gather on Sunday mornings and make it about us and Kumbaya Baptist Church. We should be a little C that is concerned about the big kingdom of God and the big picture throughout all the earth. So let me remind you on where we went in 2023. Very quickly, our Jerusalem, our neighborhood. I'm going to start with our preschool and work all the way up through adults. Our preschool continued to uh, grow our weekday preschool. Coming out of COVID, we almost lost our preschool. Matter of fact, we didn't know if there'd ever be a need for a preschool, that people might be working from home permanently, that there wouldn't be a need. But sure enough, as God continued to move, we rebirthed the weekday preschool. And today it has grown and has grown and has grown. And they have almost 100 students impacting young families three days a week. It's incredible what's happened there. In our children's ministry, we reach out to Wiley Post Elementary. It's one of the most hurting schools in the shadow of our steeple. One of the most underperforming, statistically, educationally schools in our city. And we're able to bless them. We pray for the teachers and administration. We send them prayer grams. We do birthday cards. We show up on their campus whenever they have a need, and we just minister to them. We reach out to the students at Wiley Post through WizKids. Some of you could be a part of that. It meets every Monday at 3 in our children's building. We go pick up those students who have been identified as the most statistically challenged students of the school that are in danger of either flunking their grade or falling out of school. We adopt those students, as many as we have mentors for, and we're easily 30 mentors short of where we could be. I want to encourage you to pray about that. We're seeing all kinds of life change through WizKids. Kids who have performed, every one of the students who participates in WizKids sees an advancement in their engagement educationally, but more importantly, socially and spiritually. Our student ministry, this has been awesome. Our middle school ministry and high school ministry has partnered with SaltWorks to do first priority clubs in Bethany, uh, out in Piedmont, PC North, PC Original, uh, I think Cooper, I'm not sure about Hefner. We've got a couple places I may not be mentioning. But in the first semester of this school year, as we launched this new school year back in August, in that first semester in First Priority Clubs, we saw 30 students come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior at school. Is that not phenomenal? Is that not awesome? It gets better. We came back from Christmas break. We haven't been in school that long. And just last week alone, in one week's time, last week, 14 students gave their life to Christ through First Priority Clubs. It's crazy. Revival is happening in public schools. We continue through Braden's ministry over at North to be a part of the football chaplaincy and reaching out through the sports programs and other things to the teachers and administration at Putnam City North. We'll continue to find ways to be a blessing to our community through their children, and we need to find those ways. Well, it moves up as they graduate out of high school. They then get into our college ministry led by Brent Ross, our rooted ministry, and we continue to minister to our college students. Statistically, most churches are seeing their high school students go off to college and not return back to their churches. 
Not true here at PCBC. We don't have all of them here because they are on different campuses and outside of our city, but we do have a vibrant college ministry that's happening. And then those who've been enrooted are growing older and now have become young single adults engaged in their careers or their next steps of life. And this last year, Josh McClellan has started off a young single adult ministry to get them engaged and continue to be some of the greatest leaders we know in this part of the city. Out of that, we've launched Nexus, which is a once a month or every other month gathering of not just our single adults, but also young single adults all over this city. We'll be having our next one here in February, and great things are happening with young adults. And then Drew Finley, our associate pastor, started a almost married or newly married class, something we haven't had in a while, and now God has been working within the young single adults, and they now have found their spouse, and now they are getting married, and we've launched that new class. Then in this year, 2024, we have a new class for those who are single and older. Here's a little promo. It starts next week. Here's a little insight. Take a look. Hi, I'm Arlene Blanchard. And I'm Ed Gray, and we are inviting singles over 30 to join us in a great adventure of doing single life together. Wait, here's a little off. Um, oh my goodness, pop the brakes. I'm not Ed Gray. And I'm not Arlene Blanchard. We're confused about our names. Let's try that again. Hi, I'm Ed Gray. Hi, I'm Arlene Blanchard. But we're not confused about who we are in Christ. We want to introduce ourselves as PCBC's teacher leaders for the new 30s and over singles class. Should you choose to accept this mission and join us for this co-ed ministry, we will study the Bible together to cultivate a pursuit of knowing Christ as the final authority in worship, community, fellowship, productivity, and accountability. Think of it as a Christ-centered cheers where everybody knows your name, your real name. We start on February 4th at 9.45 a.m. in room 148. In five seconds, this message will need to be shared. Yeah, there it is, all right. Our very own Ninja Mama right over here will be a part of that team. Interesting enough, Ed Gray, who's new to our church, happens to be the special agent in charge over all the Oklahoma FBI. So there was some real secret stuff going on in that message, and it was properly destroyed for that security purpose, all right? If you know somebody who's 30 or older and would love to engage with that class, tell them about it, or if that's you, join us next Sunday morning. Uh, as we continue on, we also have our international ministry class, which we've been highlighting recently, and that continues to flourish, reaching people we never thought would live in Oklahoma City, Cowtown. But we have become an international city. If you don't realize it, we are now the 20th largest city in our nation. Can you believe the stewardship that we have? That we wake up today, and we're not a lazy, sleepy Cowtown anymore. We're an international city. And I love our international ministry that was launched in the 70s, and we pray that that continues to flourish and continues to grow as God leads us as a church. We're also reaching out to the senior adult population through the Wellness Center. We run and operate that for the city. We opened up the very first one of four or five that they're hoping to build in the city. We have become, uh, this isn't to brag, it is bragging on what God has done through the body of Christ. We've been able to do what the city didn't think a church could do. We've become the most successful operator of a wellness center because the body of Christ knows how to minister to people. 
And out of that, we become the number one wellness center. We have over 7,000 members right here. Out of that, the city of Norman came to us and said, we need you to run our wellness center. We now are running that for the city of Norman, and we also partner over in the northeast side with wellness center number three. It's an incredible outreach to the baby boomer generation. We also have a strategy of reaching our community. We continue to build last year through Community Bridges. Community Bridges is an IMB, International Mission Board, strategy that we're using right here in the United States. When they send a missionary now over to a foreign country, they go in with some kind of a business skill. And they use that as the entry point into the culture. They then start a business. They bring economic help to a people who are hurting through employing people, engaging them through employment, ministering to them and their families, then building bridges into the community by providing services, they build customers. And out of those relationships, they share Christ. So we've started doing that as a church, as a mission component. It's not how we do evangelism. It's one of the pieces of how we do evangelism. So we've been doing that for a while. We have a CrossFit gym led by Josh McClellan over in the Annex. And a lot of our young people are part of that. Go ahead and raise your hands and brag and show a muscle for me if you're in it. Come on. I see several of you out there. Come on. Come on. There you go. Thank you. Uh, Leading the way, getting all fit and stuff. It's been incredible outreach as well to our moms and our parenting services, to younger people and even to older people. It's been a thriving, cool, connective ministry. And then we had Frosties that we launched last summer. We've had a lot of challenges with Frosties over the last couple years, trying to get it open and meet city specs and all kinds of other things. It was designed originally to connect with our community by providing outdoor recreation, and then we'd have a snow cone stand to keep them from dying in the Oklahoma heat. Well, we got the snow cone stand finally open, but it blew the budget. We weren't able to develop the outdoor space. But here's a vision of where we're heading, where we'd love to do outside the annex. What you'll see there is an open-air stage uh, where we'll be able to have outdoor church again. Out of that, we'll also be able to do mini concerts, uh, all kinds of different outdoor connections. The flat space where you see pickleball courts, be aware. The new cult in America, no longer the Jehovah Witnesses or any other cult, it is pickleballers. They are the new cult of America. Uh, We are trying to be all things to all people. So out of that, we're looking at many pickleball courts, but that's also where we get to sit for concerts or outdoor church. Uh, Outdoor Frisbee golf course back behind the annex. Other things we can do, you can see the adult swings, the snow cone stand down below. So this year, we won't be opening Frosties in this summer season. We're trying to save up money to invest to do the outdoor draw and have a place for young children, young families, teenagers, and adults to come and recreate and then we bless them through the snow cone stand. So that'll be coming as we work through this next year. We're also using part of the property by the annex to do a community gardens. We have a professional uh, gardener. There's a title for it. I've forgotten what they call those guys. But he knows what he's doing, and he knows how to grow it to help the needy in our city. We'll be doing a community gardens on that space. And then we'll be continuing to expand uh, what has been so far the largest kingdom-impacting ministry, and that's Community Bridges Parenting Services. For decade after decade after decade, the church has prayed in America for God to forgive us and to remove the issue of abortion in the land, that we are to be pro-life. And it's not enough just to pray against something. It's important to be pro-life in all things. 
We're a pro-life state, and out of that, they created a state initiative to help fund new young families. Well, they weren't able to meet all the demand. The company that was doing that for the state, they contacted us. We were able to start last year, and in two months' time, we became the largest provider of services to young families in the whole state of Oklahoma. This last year, we've served over 100 different moms. That means moms and another could be 50 to 100 dads, grandmas, grandparents, and now babies who are being birthed into this city, and we are blessing them with parenting education, with resources, and we're helping them flourish, and we've seen unbelievable stories of connecting with families in our city. It's glorious. Yeah, amen. Glory to God. Another neat thing that we did to connect to our city is we got convicted that we've been here since 1998. Now, PCBC is about to experience its 100th anniversary. We used to be at a different location than where we are today, but now, uh, since 1998, we've been planted here at 112th and Rockwell. And we got convicted that while we have been trying to bless our city, we have not been connecting with our neighborhood. And so, just like you would do on a mission trip, why would we do this in New York City and not Oklahoma City? Every time we go to New York City, we go to Zambia, any mission trip, before we even do any ministry project or connect, we start by prayer walking. We start prayer walking at Will Rogers Airport. We combine together and we start praying, and we pray every step of the way, the rest of the week, everywhere we go, we are praying for people. We're praying for the Spirit of God to invade. We're praying for us to have open doors, and we continue, and we prayer walk the whole time. But we haven't prayer walked hardly at all in our own neighborhood. And so Kathy Holloway and Ron Hayes helped us launch a prayer walking ministry last year. We are not doing it in December, January, or February. Thank you, Jesus. We are praying from our homes for those homes. But we will begin in March, right before Easter, we will begin going back out to the streets around our church here behind us and praying at least on Saturday and Sunday, you can adopt your own street and be a part of that incredible ministry. Why do we do that? Turn to a verse. Let's look at it. Jeremiah 29 and verse 7. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. The Holy Spirit speaking through Jeremiah reminds us that we are to live purposely where we live. That where he has planted you, you are to live with purpose. Look at what he says. He says, you are to seek the welfare of the city. That word welfare in our culture has taken on a different meaning. It's become a social entitlement program. We're not talking about social welfare. We're talking about the welfare of a city, the wellness of a people where they live. And he says that you are to seek, wherever you live, you're to seek the wellness of that city. That's why we did the adult wellness center. That's why we're using community bridges to try to help people find wellness. Because the Bible says we should do that. He says, I want you to find the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Notice it wasn't their city. They were aliens in this city. They were exiled because of their disobedience. But God says, listen, even in that, I'm going to still use you. And I want you to make a difference where I plant you. Some of you are exiles to Oklahoma. How many of you were not born in Oklahoma, but you live in Oklahoma? Any replants? Have you thanked Jesus recently for that upgrade? Isn't that cool? Huh? God loves you so much he brought you here, right? And now you live amongst us. God brought you here for a purpose. 
to make a difference where you live. Do you understand that all of us who are in the big C who know Christ, we're exiles? We're transplants. This is not our home. You may say, well, I'm an Okie. I was born here. I'll die here, whatever. You may say you want. No, no, no. The Bible says we are aliens in this world. This is not our home. We were made for heaven and God's purpose and God's presence. But while we are here, we're on a mission. And that is to seek the welfare of those who aren't yet in his kingdom. And so we do that. I want to encourage you as we get ready for Easter and as we come out of the, the frozen months, that you would also come out of the frozen chosen and choose to prayer walk and be engaged in our neighborhood. In our Judea, in our city, in our state, I'm just going to go through these very, very quickly because we're almost out of time. Uh, we have our assisted living homes that Brother Howard leads out in. We have our rescue mission center that we go to for the homeless of our city. We reach out through the Hope Pregnancy Center. I saw Dan Walden right over here. Wave at us, Dan. Dan is a part of that ministry and is helping get men involved at Hope Pregnancy on North May as well. We're part of Hope is Alive, which is a ministry to addicts and their family members. We also are a member, uh, our strategic partner with one of our very own who launched Jeremiah House. If you're not familiar with Jeremiah House, it is an addiction, addiction recovery home for the highest per capita county in Oklahoma, just outside of Oklahoma City near Chandler. We are part of that. You'll be hearing more about Jeremiah House in the days ahead. Hunter has taken our, our group to Lawton Mission Trip. Uh, we launched our African refugee church called Unbound with John Neandico that you've been hearing about and supporting. And then, of course, we reach out through disaster relief. That's how we try to help this region or our nation. We also go to New York City. And Brother Drew, our associate pastor, is helping us do that. We're going, it looks like, every July now at the end of July. I would encourage you, if you want to make a difference in your nation, but also to all the nations, go to New York City. You'll be blown away. It's one of the coolest trips that we do. We invite you to participate in New York City. And then the ends of the earth. In case some of you are visiting and you want to know how we're invested outside the shadow of our steeple, we believe that we are to impact this world. We do that cooperatively as Southern Baptists. And we just took our Lottie Moon offering we'll talk about in a moment to help send missionaries around the world. But we also do some of our own independent missions. We go to Zambia, slum of a slum in Dola, Zambia, with Ed and Donna Edwards leading the way. We go to Uganda through the Stones, who have their own mission ministry, and we support them financially, and occasionally some people will go on trips with them to Uganda. We can't get into Venezuela because of the political climate, but we are sending money every single year in one of the worst economies on the planet right now, and helping keep 150 or more pastors alive financially to be able to reach their country with the gospel. Then we started this year reaching out to Burundi. Our unbound church pastor, John Niandico, who grew up in Burundi, God has put in our fellowship, and now we are trying to reach out back to his country, the poorest country in all of Africa. And we're investing there to try to help them. We also go to Costa Rica through Tim Stairs. We're engaged at Honduras through Josh McClellan and our own Brandon and Kylie Fisher. And then, of course, we reach the world also with our online video ministry. This week, we will be in well over 20 different nations who will be blessed by God's word because you help us financially put together our online ministry. So all of that is where we've been. All of those have been our Acts 1-8 strategy to invest here and there and everywhere. 
In December, we challenge you to be a part of Impact the World offering. To be able to do that even better than we did. As we closed out 2023, we closed out with December 23. We took up that special offering, and here's what we discovered. In that month of December, we had the largest giving month in the history of our church in recent years. We had the biggest December. We gave $399,249. I'm sorry. Yeah, $399,249. Uh, We gave to Lottie Moon $45,000 and more. And to our own missionaries, we were able to give an additional $5,600. That may not sound like a lot, but it was a blessing. Our New York City pastor, who's a tent maker, he he has a very small church, and they're not tithers and givers, and they're not from the South. He's reaching people who've been unreached, and so he has to be a tent maker. He has to drive an Uber in New York to make a living. Sad deal was his van door broke. And he couldn't do his sustenance ministry. It's $500 and he didn't have it and just didn't have the money to fix it. So now he can't drive. Now he can't provide for his family. PCBC fixed the van. He's now able to provide financially for his ministry. We were able to help the other New York City mission plant. We were able to send more dollars to the Zambia cause. We were able to deposit money in the Ron Jackson Scholarship Mission Fund. We were able to send more money into Burundi to help them. First priority clubs in the Jeremiah house. That's the church connected. That's what God did in 2023. So where is God taking us in 2023? I've got five minutes to tease you. I got next Sunday to remind you of all that God is going to do among us in the next year. The theme for 2024, last year it was Acts 1-8. This year our theme is simply stated, connected, exclamation mark. Being connected to God, that's where we started this year in the 511 series, spending at least five days a week in God's word, being connected to him, being connected to his word. Then we're going to discuss about next week how we can be connected to our calling and how we can be connected to one another. But but let me start with this. Why would we need this theme, connected? Well, the opposite of connected is disconnected. And Satan, his job description is to be the great disconnector. You look at what he's done throughout human history, that's all he's been doing is disconnecting people from the very beginning of time. It started in the garden. We talked about it. He disconnected Adam and Eve from God. He disconnected them from God's word. Did God really say? Got them confused. Got them withdrawn from it. Got them out in their own desires. And he disconnected them. And he destroyed them. Their relationship with God. And then he disconnected them. Mom and dad, they started fighting. Then they had children and they started fighting. And they started disconnecting. And we have all the problems we have on this planet Because the great disconnector started with the very first family in the garden. And he didn't stop with that family. He's coming after your family and mine. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm going to close with this part, why this theme connected. And then next Sunday, we'll talk about how we connect. Let me show you why we need to be more connected. It's what I call Elijah syndrome. Turn over to 1 Kings verse 19. Powerful story about one of my heroes of the Old Testament. King David, one of, my, one of my heroes. Elijah, even more so. Elijah, if you study his life, and I'm probably going to do another series on Elijah again soon just because I love this guy and his faith. This guy was never more connected to God than anybody else on the planet. 
Matter of fact, he was the only one in Israel. There was a remnant, but for the most part, there was one who was connected to God. It was Elijah. All of Israel was connected to Baal and Asherah, false gods, idolatry, and were just living in the flesh. You remember the story, Elijah calls a battle line out on Mount Carmel and says, we're going to prove who the real God is. It's either Jehovah or it's Baal. It can't be both. He draws the line. They have a showdown. His God proves to be the real God, and 450 prophets are put to death that day on that mountain. It was literally a mountaintop experience for Elijah. The whole nation of Israel repented. The whole nation that was disconnected from God and God's word, that had been connected to idolatry and sin, had repented, and now they were all connected again with God and with one another. It was powerful. One of the biggest revivals in human history. Because one who was connected to God made a difference in his world. So we find this mountaintop experience where he was connected. But here's what happens next. The enemy never quits coming after you. He doesn't look at Elijah and say, uh-oh, here's one I can't touch. Man, Elijah's too strong. He's too faithful. I'll have to go pick on Bill Hulse. He's a chump. No, he keeps coming after even the Elijah's. He comes after you even when you are connected. And maybe you've started this year through 511 and you've gotten reconnected in the word and you're seeing revival in your personal life. I pray it is. And if you haven't, get connected. The challenge goes all year long, not just the first 30 days of the year. But the enemy's coming. And the enemy is always attacking. And so this one who was connected, this one who saw great victory, would soon be defeated. I want you to see how. Go to verse 1. That's the context. So Ahab, that was the king. The king gets the news of what had just happened on the mountaintop, that Jezebel, Jezebel is his wife. By the way, if somebody ever calls you a Jezebel spirit, it's not a kind thing. Matter of fact, I don't think I've yet to do a baby dedication up here and we pray over, oh, look at sweet baby Jezebel. Nobody's naming their baby Jezebel. This was one of the most wicked women in human history. She literally destroyed Israel under her leadership. She married into King Ahab, and they led this idolatrous, uh, sensual rebellion against God of Israel. It was her prophets that were put to death, and so Ahab brings her the bad news. He told Jezebel all Elijah had done. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what God did on the mountain. God did it, but Elijah got the blame. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of my prophets by tomorrow this time. Now, could you see that message coming to Elijah? Elijah's the hero of the land. He is Mac Daddy Stud Muffin number one. Are you with me? This dude has rocked the whole nation. He's a rock star, bigger than Elvis. And he gets the, he's already stood up against his whole nation. He stood up against 450 false prophets. He stood strong. And now he gets a communique. He opens it up. And Jezebel says, I'm going to do to you what you did to my prophets in the next 24 hours. Wads it up. Those are in trash. No big deal, right? Wrong. 
Take a look. You see, the enemy was already coming after the one who was connected to God, connected to the word, and having victory. And just like he came for Elijah, he's going to come for you and me in this little sea. Look at it. And here's how he responded. Did he say, oh, get behind me, Satan, you little Jezebel? I'm the one in charge now. Did he walk in his victory? Look at what he did. He was afraid. He went from being the strongest and the boldest to all of a sudden disconnecting from the power of his God and the truth of God's word. He put more faith in Jezebel's word than he did the word of God. Now, before we beat up on Elijah, Elijah was going through life just like you and I do. There are mountaintops and there are valleys. There are good days and there are hard days. We've all been there. We've all experienced them. And we have days of victory, and the enemy keeps charging, and he keeps attacking. And if we're not careful, we become disconnected rather than staying connected to God, his word, and each other. Watch what happens here. He was afraid. He arose, and he ran for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And here's his first mistake. Watch what he does. Underline the last part of verse 3. He left his servant there. He shouldn't have been running in the first place. He should have been standing firm just like he did on the mountaintop. But even as he was experiencing this attack, as he's running in his fear, he at least had somebody with him. He had his maid servant, his manservant, a brother who was there, a brother who assisted him, who was a part of him. But he got so discouraged, he got so disconnected in his fear, his anxiety, his discouragement that he did what we do, most of us, we cope this way. We just withdraw and we go into a private space, we block people out of our lives, and we just go to this dark place. That's what Elijah did. And it says in verse 4, he went alone himself a day's journey into the wilderness. If you're not careful, it's very easy to disconnect There are scores of people who have disconnected from the church. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. I hope you'll be here. The enemy has been clever to come along and to discourage and to depress and disconnect. I call it Elijah syndrome. And he got in a day, 24 hours later. And you know what? He was worse off than if Jezebel had come after him. Look at it. For he came and he sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. Does that blow you away? This champion, this this connected, strong prophet who stood on the mountaintop wants to die? If that can happen to Elijah, that can happen to you, and that can happen to me, that can happen to we, the little C. He became defeated because he was disconnected. He, He pulled away from rather than engage with Instead of staying connected with his family, Israel, staying connected with his God and God's word, he listened to a lie, he listened to his fears, and he withdrew, and he got disconnected, and he became easy prey for the enemy. I'm going to show you a video that paints Elijah syndrome. Watch this video, and I'll tell you more. A great picture of life and the church. Who is stronger, the lion or the hyena? If the lion is walking alone, the answer is the hyena. He got away on his own. He got disconnected. He's just exploring. He's out by himself, the king of the jungle, the strongest, mightiest beast. 
was easily defeated because he was disconnected. The Bible says two are better than one. And yet, as we live out this faith as the big C, you know Christ, there is a tendency to live that faith alone. And when you live and you walk it alone, the enemy sends the descendants of the hyena. You know the descendants of the hyena? The chihuahua. The picture of modern-day demons. They bark. They seem insignificant. Sorry if you own one. Hopefully they're saved, know Jesus, and they're better in your home than we see in most experiences. I'll brag on the chihuahua next Sunday, all right? Love your pastor unconditionally. Those, you all laughed. The hyena, they showed the face. Looked like your ninth grade prom date, right? You with me? You started making fun of the hyena. Ah, look at that ugly crew. Did you see how destructive they became when they grouped up and they were connected? Those little itty-bitty hyenas can destroy a lion. They can destroy Elijah. And they can destroy you and your family. We need to be connected. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about what that looks like. How can we be connected to God, to his word, and to one another? Be back next Sunday.